if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nathan Binder. Here with me today, as always, is Dane. Dane, how you doing, man? We got preseason football today. Our draft is in 48 hours. I'm pumped. Go Birds. The Go Eagles Pats. The played tonight. The Pats, Pats played tonight. tonight. Both of our teams, we're going to see... I don't know, is Cam Newton and uh, Mac Jones, they're both playing, right? I imagine Cam will have the first drive and then we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm sure they'll both get playing time. Even Studham, Jason Studham, is probably going to get on that field. And God forbid, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> Are you excited to lay uh, your first eyes on Mac Jones in a game I, setting? I definitely am. I'm not going to take too much stock because it probably looked shaky. But if he comes off fire and on all cylinders, man, he's probably going to be starting pretty soon then. Yeah, we know preseason doesn't mean like it means like not a ton, you know, like coaches aren't using their full playbooks. But still, if a player looks good, a player looks good. I mean, it's it's not that hard to tell who has juice and who does not. OK, well, on today's episode, it's an episode we've been waiting for for a long, long time. It's our hot takes episode. This is us at our worst, at our most illogical, at our most fantastical, at our most ludicrous. Dane, do you have any other adjectives you want to add? Sensational, sizzling, uh, scorching. Uh, what's another S word for hot? Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah, hot. Spicy. Hot. <laughs> spicy, there we go. Yeah, but yeah, like what our entire <laughs> ranking system for this hot takes episode is based off of, which is spice level we'll be taking you through our jalapeno takes our habanero takes and our ghost pepper takes oh so spicy (laughs) so it's going to be good um don't rely upon the things you hear in this episode to draft your fantasy team but do consider them because we've thought them through and we are putting our names behind them for reasons uh that we believe in although i will say I didn't really do a ton of research to support these hot takes. I just went with like what my gut feels and then kind of backed into it from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I did. I'm not, we're not going to be throwing stats at you trying to make this uber analytical case about why this could happen. But based on all the other research that we've been doing this entire offseason, these are kind of ideas that we had like, oh, this is definitely something that could happen. But then again, these are hot takes, so the probability is low. So yes, don't craft your draft strategy around what you're hearing. But if we are right, then just tell us we're geniuses, because that's what this is all about. Yeah, we're going to do, we have six hot takes for you guys. Any more would be too self-indulgent. So before we get into that, aside from the uh, preseason games that we have tonight, which everyone should watch, good chance to watch, you know, uh, how how players are performing. Najee Harris is playing, so you'll, you'll have to see more of that. Um, what do you what do you got in news, Dane? Uh, 
All right. For news, it's a lot of injury tracking and training camp. So Will Fuller has not practiced at all with a foot injury. And that's not something I've heard a whole lot about, but that's something like Will Fuller, I think, is being drafted at top 36. Like he's right around the 30-ish range. And we already know he's missing week one from suspension. And honestly, a lingering foot injury sidelining him the entire camp is something that I am very concerned about at this point. Uh, like our draft is in 48 hours and he's a guy I might've been looking at as my wide receiver four for the upside, but, uh, now I don't think so at all. Like that's, that's turning me off. I don't want to draft a player who I already know is injured and already is guaranteed to not play week one. That's concerning for me. And also, uh, that just means it opens the door for those other Miami receivers to show out in week one, uh, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Parker. Uh, there's another guy I'm forgetting all uh he has been showing up very good in camp albert wilson albert wilson thank you um so i think this could just kind of lend to a jalen waddle breakout early in the season type situation so can i ask you um what are what are your thoughts on all the reports that tua is just killing it in camp right now is that is that something you're buying into because i i've been pretty cautious on drafting any dolphins players after what we saw out of tua last year but the reports are he's taking deep shots he's moving a lot better he's fully healed and he's just kind of been on fire in camp um we have had differing discussions on to the legitimacy of camp rumors and what you should trust and what quantity is necessary like uh, is there a pattern established with those rumors and to me the two stuff it seems uh you know like there's something there what are your thoughts yeah, Tua is a guy who I did project to take a step forward because he was coming off of a hip injury that was almost career-ending. That's why he wasn't playing until the second half of the season. And I think what you saw from him was a lot of mental uncertainty. He wasn't, you know, he knew physically he wasn't 100%, and his, it's his first few games in the NFL. So that's going to get in your head, kind of like how we've seen Joe Burrow have a bad training camp because he's coming off of a nearly, you know, a, an injury that put him out for a whole year. So. I think once you work through, the, through those nerves, I think that uh, Tua will be a good NFL quarterback, and that's what I'm counting on. But I still do have a lot of question marks on which wide receivers will be good for the Dolphins, and I'm, you know, I'm not 100% certain he's going to be great. So it's something to consider. But I do think he is going to be a far better than we saw last year. Okay. Well, I guess I'll have to put a little more thought into Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker then. All right. In other news. So this is a pretty interesting tweet from the official Cowboys uh, Twitter. Uh, so this is what it said. It's not a setback and it's not a oh, reason yeah. to worry, <laughs> but Dak Prescott is getting another MRI. <laughs> so if you don't know, Dak Prescott is coming off of an injury that sidelined him last year. Obviously, you probably know that. But also in training camp, he had a, a shoulder injury, which is typically a baseball injury. So Dallas was calling their fellow Texas Rangers to get, uh, get feedback on how to handle that injury. And if, if they're getting another MRI, that means they don't fully understand what it is, but if it's a grade two injury, I don't even know the name of the injury, but it's irrelevant, but it's, it's like in his armpit, let's just call it an armpit armpit strain. So if it's a grade two injury, it's something that has a long timeline and, we might get more uh, clarity on that as weeks go by and they're on hard knock. So we could get a little window into what that looks like for him, but he did say that if there was a game this week, he'd be playing. So I think it's something he can play through, but also 
puts him at How's risk it for limit him. And, yeah. Yeah. It could limit him and put him at risk for a more serious injury, which would be not very good for all these Dallas assets that I'm looking at. Honestly, as much as I hate the Cowboys, it's a blessing that they're on hard knocks this year because we're getting a lot of insight into the Zeke situation and just a lot of the situations that are uncertain. Yeah. Zeke, Dallas. Zeke looks good in hard knocks. <laughs> um, can I put some total conjecture out there? Sure. I saw someone say that the situation, and I did not see this like verified or sourced or anything, but that this MRI was just like part of his, like the social media team just put it the wrong way. And it's like the MRI is part of his recovery plan. Like he had to do yeah. two weeks without throwing. Then they check and see where he's at to see if he can like go back to throwing or something like that. So it could be like totally nothing. It's just weird that they phrased it in a way that makes you totally think, oh, I'm going to panic now. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's it's just par for the course in his recovery. They knew the news was probably going to get out that he had an MRI, and they probably wanted to be, you know, phrase the discussion their own way, but they did it so <laughs> terribly that they made it more of an issue than it would have been. I really hope was- like th- there was an argument that was like, Oh, someone was like, we should just put out that like Dallas, uh, you know, Dak is having a routine MRI today to check the progress of his recovery. And like the social people were just like, no, no, <laughs> that's not going to get engagement. We need engagement. And and meanwhile, no one's thinking about the fantasy football players. Yeah. How dare, how dare the NFL staff not consider us fantasy footballers? Just Come like, on. why do we, why is it the situation where they can't report on injuries? Like, let's move that up. To August 1st and have that be the date when they have to start reporting injuries. So like, honestly, so that we can have our fantasy drafts whenever we want. Oh, I wish. All right. And other news, Change a lot of injury news. Slash. Oh my God. <laughs> Sign the petition. <laughs> uh, Rashad Bateman went out of practice with an injury. It seems to be a groin injury and apparently he's having groin surgery, Oof. but they do not expect oh, it to be man. a long-term injury. And my next question is, how is it not a long-term injury if you're getting groin surgery? Yeah, it's not like you're the place where they just kind of go in, do a little quick procedure. Like, it's not your yeah. hand. Yeah. Uh, I don't – like, a groin injury is not something you can play through to your fullest extent as a wide receiver who's making cuts, fast starts off the line, creating separation at the top of your route. That's not going to happen if you are have a 70% of your groin, like, available to you. Like, that's hard to play through. It's very painful. Yeah, it makes me lower – I was – warming up quite a bit to Rashad Bateman in redraft formats. And now I'm, I don't think I'm any lower on him in dynasty, but I'm significantly lower on him in redraft because yeah, yeah a, a groin injury isn't something you just come back from. In other news, Curtis Samuel also dealing with a groin injury. He is on the Washington football team. They're playing tonight. We probably won't see him as my guess. Uh, I don't know why they put him at risk, but uh Elijah Moore left practice with a quad injury, rookie wide receiver for the Jets. That's to be determined on the severity there. They say it's not super major, but you never know because they don't have to report the entire truth right now. That's also concerning. He was showing out in camp. He's got a lot of hype. A.J. Brown, the phenomenal receiver for the Titans, is probably the number one fan of Elijah Moore, and he says that I'm not worried about it. He'll play through, and you know, but it's all just speculation right now. Yeah. I really hope we see Elijah Moore. Yeah. And a fellow Jets receiver, Denzel Mims, you probably don't even know who he is at this point, but he was a rookie last year. Didn't oh, really do know. anything. 
Well, some people probably don't just because he's a lower name and he didn't really do much last year. But that's fair. I just think he was drafted last year a little bit. Oh, he definitely was drafted at end of drafts uh, in a lot of places, probably. But uh, he, so apparently he had food poisoning from bad salmon and he lost 20 pounds. And that's, and <laughs> 20 that's what pounds. The, yeah. how, how big was the salmon? Well, <laughs> uh, those little bacteria, I guess, that just eat you alive from the inside or something, man. That, that, that must have been so terrible. But I guess, yeah, I guess it was just like really long term food poisoning. That's so that sounds so miserable. It was probably norovirus, which is very debilitating. That's something you get often from seafood, but uh, that's... I'm never eating seafood. (laughs) I love salmon. I had some last week, Uh, but that's super sad, I guess. I'm not really considering his fantasy outlook for the season at all, but something to note. And then Xavier Jones, backup Rams running back, will be counted on throughout the season, according to Sean McVay. And that kind of is a little bit of clarity on who the RB2 might be after Daryl Henderson on that depth chart. Daryl Henderson, who is nursing some injury of his own, I can't remember. It might Jeez, be a foot. Man, what's going on? Well, that's the thing. They like We see these people leave training camp, and then all the beat reporters are like, oh, this person walked off the field with X injury. We don't know. And then the coaches don't have to clarify to a high degree of certainty on what it is or how long the recovery time is. So everyone is just you know, blowing up these injury reports out of proportion probably but so xavier jones is probably the guy that we'll see uh on uh relief work for daryl henderson i don't know how much work he'll get who knows if uh, daryl henderson's injury will linger into the beginning of the season i don't know but xavier jones is definitely somebody you should be adding in dynasty he's probably already been added but if not please check your waiver wires for xavier jones with an x dang can i be completely honest with you yeah, you don't care about Xavier Jones. This is the first time I've ever heard of Xavier Jones, and I consider myself fairly plugged in. Uh, I think I think Grant scooped him up like immediately when we saw Cam Akers go down. Like like the next morning at like six a.m., Grant scooped him up. <laughs> Our dynasty league is insane. Like I went to pick up Marquez Callaway uh, a, a, a couple of weeks ago, assuming yeah. he would be available, and he had nope. been drafted, <laughs> and I was like. These guys are thinking steps ahead, man. The streets <laughs> ahead. All right. What do we we got any other injuries to report? No, but there is something interesting going on in Houston and not what you might think, but apparently David Johnson is listed behind Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay on the depth chart. Wait, apparently, what? yeah, apparently that's their plan. They plan to use him in like a Duke Johnson role like we saw last year. And apparently Philip Lindsay will be their oh. RB1. <laughs> What the flying something, right? Yeah, like, what the flying something. What the flying else. coach. Yeah. Who great podcast. Um what? yeah. So just avoid that entirely. <laughs> that Do was not- one of my guys that like I was gonna get because it was like the value was yeah, there. Yeah, the yeah. For a presumable RB1 on an offense who will he probably would have caught all the passes. Uh, I guess not. I don't know, man. Maybe um, I will just draft a running back with every pick and, and just see what I see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, That's all I got for news. A lot of injury jargon and who knows what's going on, actually. Cool. Um, you want to tell them about the social before we do hot takes? At Fantasy Bible Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and thefantasybible.com. That's it. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it going. What do you have for your first jalapeno hot take? 
All right. I'm going to start it off with something I feel pretty strongly about, and it's not really like blasphemy to say this, and it's not something I've really heard a lot about just because there's a lot of uncertainty in this backfield as it is, but I believe that Trey Sermon is the running back to own in San Francisco, not Raheem Mostert. I believe that he will be far ahead of him at the end of the year in fantasy points. And we might not see it truly take over till halfway through the season, but Raheem Mostert is always a guy that's never had a lot of touches in that offense. He's very explosive, but he's never had a dominant workload. And they do have a running back by committee there with Kyle Shanahan playing the hot hand. But I think we'll see Trey Sermon with the hot hand more often than not. And to my knowledge, Raheem Mostert is nursing some sort of injury in training camp right now as well. He has been for the past two weeks. I don't know if he's getting more reps now, but we've seen Trey Sermon in training camp with the ones. I think we'll see Trey Sermon a lot in week one. I believe they played the Detroit Lions. I think they could start in the first drive with Trey Sermon and see what they've got. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I mean, Trey Sermon, really kind of a late bloomer in the recruiting cycle. Not really the what do you call it? The draft scouting cycle. Scouting. Like yeah. He didn't really come on until really late in his college career, which is sometimes a red flag and sometimes a really good thing. And uh, yeah, they invested a third round pick in this guy. And Raheem Mostar, as we as we know, is kind of a glass cannon. Like he, he can mm-hmm. reach extremely impressive speeds, but not for long. Um, he's, he's just often injured. He's, he's one of those guys that it feels honest to give him the injury prone mantle. Um, yeah. And with running backs, I always like to skew younger because like, it's, it's a, it's a very, it's a durability position that, that like, that's, that's the essential nature of it is can you take, can you carry the load game after game? And do you have some explosive element to your game? And Trey Sermon has both those things. So, and yeah, how old, I, how old do you think Raheem Mostert is? 26 29 oh my gosh yeah so uh hello people draft trey sermon not raheem mostert so i think mostert is like 29 in the running back tier list or like uh adp list but i think trey sermon is like almost 38 or something like that so i would rather wait a round or two and draft trey sermon and i think raheem mostert is potentially a landmine for a lot of you just blew my freaking mind dude i yeah uh, yeah, I am not drafting. I'm not. I don't. Know, I'm not drafting any 29 year old running. <laughs> I mean, maybe David Johnson's 29. That's a possibility. And it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, um, but I don't know. David Johnson's different. Remember that one year? You remember that year, Dane? Oh, I do. <laughs> I was, do. It was a beautiful thing. Um, let me see. Do I have anything else to add about this take? Well, we'll see in preseason. Yeah. Uh, we'll see Trey Sermon in preseason. And also, I'm really glad that we're drafting when we are because I have noticed that Trey Sermon is tip, 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 up in the draft boards. He's climbing. He's he slowly climbing the ladder. He was like a 12th round pick and then a 10th round pick. And now he's like a 7th, 8th round pick. It's crazy to see. Yeah, and if we see him ball out in preseason because they don't have Jeff Wilson Jr., he's out. They don't have – I don't think they'll play Raheem Mostert if he is nursing an injury. They Michael have Michael Hasty and one other guy that I don't even know the name of. So I can't remember. I, I think he'll very easily outperform those guys, and that's just going to make him shoot up the rankings even more. Nice. Um, awesome. Jal- jalapeno. All right, here's mine. Alvin Kamara has a better path to RB1 than Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Oh, I don't believe this, but let's hear it. <laughs> okay. We are in a situation where Alvin Kamara uh, is the best catching option on that team. Facts. So he's in a position where he's not only the RB1, 
He's the wide receiver one. Okay. We've been getting reports that Jameis is killing it in camp. I don't think there's any way that they're paying Jameis what they're paying him to come back and do absolutely nothing at the QB position. Well, a guy that can't move the ball down the field at all and taste him, uh, but aside from like a run heavy approach is going to be like, I, I don't know. And also Murray is on the wrong side of 30. That's something I wanted to add. He is. Um, so it's like he's their complimentary lightning thunder situation isn't getting any better. I think we could see Alvin Kamara take on like a record amount of touches and receptions um, from a quarterback that can produce 5,000 yards a season. I think Alvin Kamara. So I was listening for the first time ever to uh, fantasy footballers because like most of my podcasts hadn't renewed and uh, I had already written my hot take list and they were talking about Alvin Kamara and they said something that I think was very true. And they said that Alvin Kamara is the identity of this, this offense. Now that Drew Brees is in here, Alvin Kamara is the identity of this offense where let's talk like, you know, and then Deontay Harris, he has a DUI, um, Michael Thomas, who knows what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, who, who am I missing? Marquez Callaway. That's like the guy. And, you know, yeah. And Traquan, Traquan Smith also has an injury in training camp. So he's not even getting any reps right now. So. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So like, it's literally Alvin Kamara and nobody. He's the only receiving option on the team that, or the, excuse me, he's the best receiving option on the team. And he's the only one that's like a guaranteed receiving option from a fantasy perspective, fantasy perspective. Like he's done it mm-hmm. before. Um, so like just move, maybe they move him more into the slot. Maybe they use him in ways they never have before. Sean Payton is like an offensive uh, innovator. And then we talk about CMC. I'm still going to draft CMC because like the ceiling is greater and, and I'm going to take the consensus number one pick. But this is talking about like path. Like what do you, what seems, who has the more likely path to the RB1 position? Because Kamara did it last year as well we can't forget that even mm-hmm. though it wasn't quite to the heights of what McCaffrey did but McCaffrey's in a situation where the offensive line the Saints have the fourth ranked offensive line in the league the Panthers are in the bottom 10 percent of the league their offensive line and then they have Sam Darnold at quarterback who has you know I don't need to go into depth about what Sam Darnold is. Everyone <laughs> listening knows what that situation is but put him behind a bad offensive line and then add talented receivers in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And we're hearing great things about Terrace Marshall coming out of camp and that they really want him to make a push for that number three wide receiver slot. So there's going to be a lot more target distribution in that offense. I don't think they're going to need to rely on McCaffrey, although I expect him to use him just as much. There are like, I don't know. I just don't think he'll be quite the identity of that offense now that the offensive weapons are more diverse. And that is my jalapeno hot take on okay. Alvin Kamara. It's certainly possible. I think Alvin Kamara will have 100 targets his way. Um, although I have heard from camp with the Panthers that uh, Sam Darnold is dumping the ball down to Christian McCaffrey a lot. So I think Sam Darnold would be, would be wise to do that for his own career and his own right. stats. So I, I don't think we'll see much different on what Christian McCaffrey will look like as he has in years past, but it certainly just could work that way where Kamara gets a lot of touchdowns. He gets a lot of passes, breaks a few large plays. Like it's definitely possible. I just think if I was a robot and there was no emotion put into it and I like 
added up all the factors like Sean Payton's coaching history and um, the offensive line uh, rankings and all that stuff, like a robot would spit out Alvin Kamara. So you're not a fan of Matt Ja Rule coaching in uh, <laughs> Carolina? I don't really know anything about Matt Rule. I know I like Joe Brady. Okay. Yeah, I don't know a lot about him either. Uh, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your habanero? Let's get a little spice here. What, what do you got? All right. This is a touch spicier on the pepper scale. This is my habanero take. I think that Nick Chubb finishes the year with more fantasy points than Derrick Henry. I like it. <gasps> I like it. I like it. I think, didn't I say this? Did you steal this from me? No, I claimed this like weeks ago. I said, what if this happens? And I said, wait, no, I'm calling this for the hot takes episode. This is mine. I feel like I put that out there. And you I, know, I could send you a screenshot. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like, I feel like both. I feel like that's mine. No, but, it's not. But if you well, agree, that's cool too. <laughs> uh, all right. I agree very strongly. I would say, yeah. Yeah. We saw Derek Henry just have a complete outlier, phenomenal MVP worthy season. Like, 378 rushing attempts, 2,021 yards or 27 yards or something like, and I think it was 18 touchdowns, like just ridiculous production. And I think he'll be great this year again, but I think he could have 1500 yards and that will still be a great season for him. And he could have uh, 16 touchdowns. And then we're looking at a guy who might finish as the running back seven or eight. And I think Nick Chubb is fully capable as a talented runner to have a Derrick Henry type production on the season. Like I think he only played 14 games last season and he broke 1200 yards or something like that. Like he's just as good, I think on the field as Derrick Henry is as a runner. Uh, the knock on him is they do have Kareem hunt. So Kareem hunt will be taking some of that workload. They don't need to give Nick Chubb 20 plus touches a game into the fourth quarter. That's when you saw a lot of Kareem hunt as a relief pitcher, if you will. Um, but I don't think that means that Dick Chubb can't make that jump into top five running back territory. And if he does finish as the running back five, I think it's very possible that Derrick Henry is the running back six or a couple spots lower, just based on how things go, just variance might not get as many touchdowns. So uh, going back to the robot thing, if I yeah. was a robot, um, I think like the, the question the robot would have to ask itself is, so Cleveland has the number one rated offensive line in, in the league. They, they mm-hmm. have an incredible offensive line. Does that jump between, like, does that disparity between their line and Tennessee's line, which is not bad, which is like, you know, slightly above average. Does that make up for the difference of Kareem Hunt? And does it also make up for the age disparity between Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry? And then, I don't know if the computer would know that much about Kevin Stefanski and then the <laughs> removal of Arthur Smith and the in, insertion of internal hires into the Tennessee system and what impact that might have. But I would say there's a lot more uncertainty going into this year about Derrick Henry than there is Nick Chubb, although I would still probably draft Derrick Henry over Nick Chubb. I would too. I just think it's a lot closer than people are you know, looking at right now, like Derek Henry's coming off the board as the three overall pick. And then Nick Chubb is more of a mid to back end first rounder. Um, but the Tennessee Titans turned 75% of their red zone opportunities into touchdowns. Oh, that's, that's insane. That's never been done before. Probably could never be done again. Like, and 
so without Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator calling the plays, like play calling matters. So that you could definitely see some touchdown uh, loss there for Derek Henry on his yearly production. That's something you definitely need to consider. They don't have the same, obviously they're not going to change their whole scheme because they know what they're good at. They have Derek Henry and they do everything out of play action because he'll burn you if you don't play as if he's going to get the ball every single play. So I don't think we'll see a lot of change in their scheme, but it could just not translate to as many points, uh, especially if their defense is any better this year, they might not have to, you know, ball out as much. Yeah. And the defense definitely could be better. I, uh, I mean, I, I agree with this take entirely that this is very likely to happen. I just, maybe I'm too much of a coward to do it, or maybe the factors just add up too much and it's in its way, but yeah, I, uh, I love Nick Chubb and I'm drafting Nick Chubb. I don't know, Nick Chubb or Aaron Jones. I th- still think you got to go Aaron Jones, although there's obviously injury reports from camp, I believe. Um, yeah, Aaron Jones does have some kind of injury himself. I don't know if it's a, I think it's a hamstring. Yeah. But you never um, love to hear. No, you don't, because that could linger. You never know how many weeks it could be re-aggravated easily. But if, if if we're assuming they're both healthy, I would probably lean Aaron Jones because he'll get a lot more pass catching work and probably equal touchdown opportunity, maybe even a little more. Green Bay Packers will have a high-octane offense, probably top five in the league. Browns will be probably top 10-ish just based on their – like running prowess, I think they could be, but uh, more touchdowns probably going Aaron Jones' way if I had to guess. And is that where it is for you? Is it like would those two be next to each other in your rankings? Yeah, they are. I figured. Yeah, same. All right. Well, this this uh, segues well into my habanero take because it involves another player that I would take Nick Chubb over, and this is one that I teased earlier, but uh, in text format. All right. So my Habanero take is Saquon Barkley is the new Joe Mixon. Uh oh. And here's here's the situation: is there's nothing wrong with a Joe Mixon. Like, you know what you're going to get out of Joe Mixon now? You're going to get around a thousand yards. Maybe he's going to catch a couple passes. He's probably going to miss a couple games. He averages three and a half missed games per season. Um, but uh, he'll get like six touchdowns, maybe seven touchdowns behind, like you know a somewhat talented offense that's held back by a terrible offensive line. And that's what Joe Mixon is. And to me, I see Saquon Barkley in the exact same situation. I I see a player that's held back by his offense. I see a player that is already taking on injuries that will take their toll on his productivity throughout the course of the rest of his career. Um, I'm definitely weary on Saquon Barkley in dynasty situations, because I expect him to be a giant for a long time. And I don't know, you can't turn an offensive line over, you know, in one season. Uh, And they are one of the worst in football, or at least we expect them to be one of the worst. So the same situation where Joe Mixon is constantly getting hit behind the line and, and getting injured because of it, or having negative yardage and just, having to be a volume rusher to, to rack up yards instead of an efficiency rusher. I see the same situation with Saquon. And then the toll of those carries, uh, you know, will, will probably wear him down and shorten his lifetime even further. Uh, I'm just like kind of totally out on Saquon Barkley. And that's, that's the uh, conclusion that I have drawn for my habanero take. Yeah, there's a lot to be concerned about with Saquon. You hope that he comes back strong from his injury and 
in redraft, you've probably seen a lot of fluctuation if you're mock drafting right now. Sometimes you'll see people take him as early as four or five, and they're assuming he's 100% in the same Saquon that we've seen in 2019. But then you'll see some people wait on him, and he'll go at the very end of the first round. And that's just because the uncertainty. We don't know if he's starting week one. We don't know if he'll be 100%. They might limit his touches. And, yeah, to compare him to Joe Mixon like you did with your habanero take there, that's the injury concern you're worried about with Joe Mixon. You know he'll be the three down back, both of them. But if they're injured and they leave a game early, that kind of messes up your week. And if they miss two to three weeks on the year, maybe it's like a two to three week at a time, like all in a row. That's just really hard to deal with in fantasy football. But we do expect those things from the running back position. But when you're drafting in the first round, it's something you have to consider. You don't want to draft players that could burn you. And Saquon did burn me last year, burned a lot of people last year who drafted him in the third overall pick or whatever it was. So to definitely me, we- concerning. Yeah, we saw this like season from Saquon. The biggest difference between them is Saquon's rookie season was this transcendent season. And the biggest difference there is say what you will about him, but Eli Manning was the quarterback then. Yeah. And when he wasn't, things kind of went to hell. Um, I mean, not not that's that's a strong term. He was fine the next year. He, you know, he had a he had a great season, all things concerned, but his receptions almost cut in half and his yardage went down by 300 yards and his efficiency went down and his touchdowns were cut in half so it's like that's what i think we we the baseline that we can expect from him if he's able to stay healthy behind a, a very porous offensive line so yeah i just uh every year we there's this renewed faith in joe mixon that i see because mm-hmm. of the talent because joe mixon's a very talented running back and so is saquon barkley and he gets three down work. So and, yeah. and they get three down work and they're, they're an offensive feature of their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not even getting into like the receiving weapons on both team and what they've added in the off seasons and stuff like that. I just see like, maybe I'm early on this, but maybe we're going to start seeing the same repetition in Saquon where he never quite reaches the ceiling that people see him reaching but because yeah. of the work that he gets his floor is incredibly stable and so i'm not saying don't draft saquon because he's definitely a high upside player um with a solid floor i'm just saying think of him more in that joe mixon's here than in the top five tier of running backs in your league i think that's a very good take like saquon barkley will probably never be what he was with eli manning in his rookie year so to compare him to another eli manning era giant look at Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably expect maybe not as much of a regression for his fantasy production as we saw from OBJ on the Browns, but I do think that Saquon will not be 2018, 2019 Saquon again. I think, yeah, you should temper your expectations. I think I think he's running back nine on my board this year, so he's he's somebody you shouldn't take until the end of the first round, but he's somebody that has massive upside just based on his workload if he can if he can shake that injury and truly perform at his hundred percent, whether that's, you know, uh, whatever workload they give him, he'll take advantage of it to some degree. So yeah, don't expect rookie Saquon. That's, that's the take here. Yeah. I would take him at the turn. Um, he's go. It's a, he has a wide range of where he's going anywhere yeah. from, you know, like three to 10. So, um, all right. What do you got 
what is your spiciest take that you have to offer for this? My, this oh, my ghost pepper level take. All right. Kind of straight stupid. So I can't wait to see what you have. Well, mine is on brand and very exciting. If it happens, I will be the cheerleader. I will be freaking out every week on the podcast if this happens. But Mo Alley Cox will <laughs> Mo Alley Cox actually gonna kill will Mo be Alley a top Cox. 12 tight end. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So the thing is, is he just needs a few touchdowns. Look at Robert Tunyon. He only had 60 targets, but he had like eight touchdowns. And he was the tight end eight, I think, on the year. Half All he needs is touchdowns. on that team don't even have two feet. Well, that's true. But apparently, Carson Wentz, when he was healthy, was targeting the tight end position a lot. No shocker. We saw what Zach Ertz did a couple of years ago for him in the Philadelphia yep, no Eagles Allie offense. Cox and Zach Ertz, two names I always hear in the same conversation. Well, hey, man. <laughs> so Carson Wentz. All right. Imagine you're Carson Wentz, and somehow you've taken your team to the red zone. Don't know how it happened, but you're there. And you line up, and you've got Moali Cox lined up this gigantic human being (laughs) and he's running a slant route and you're thinking this dude i can see him over everybody so you just kind of throw it to him loft it up a little bit and he catches the ball touchdown 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 keeps happening touchdown touchdown (laughs) (laughs) are you going to go through all the touchdowns robert tunyon had last year because we're going to be here a while exactly so he doesn't even need a whole lot of volume and he won't get a whole lot of volume but it would be Pretty crazy. But I would love it. Mo Ali Cox, top 12 tight end. You heard it here. <laughs> so, can I tell you what I like about this take? Oh, uh, uh, yes. Mo Ali Cox is like a converted basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. So, which means like, you know, high ceiling as he learns the game more and more. But <laughs> so the Eagles' uh, tight ends coach was the Colts' tight end coach. And currently there is a Former quarterback, new Tyree Jackson, who is like lighting up training camp as a tight end right now. So it's like maybe this tight end coach is just great at yeah, you know, just transforming the position. Um, so yeah, I don't have a lot to add to the Mo Alley Cox take. I mean, Carson Wentz does like to throw to tight ends. Um, Car- Carson Wentz, in a lot of ways. Is the new Joe Flacco? That's not one. Of my, that's not one of my <laughs> takes, but you can you can you can write that down and mail it to the president. Um, yeah. One more like asserting factor there is that they don't really have like an established top wide receiver on that offense right now. They have the remnants of T. Y. Hilton, and then they have Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal. Like they don't do really like have Michael Pittman. Yeah, yeah, but my point is they don't promise. Yeah. they don't oh, yeah, have like right. an established one and two that we can say they're getting a lot of the passing opportunities. So there's just a possibility where things start going to the tight end more on that offense. And yeah, it could happen, man. Yeah, I would say Jack Doyle also slightly caps the upside, but definitely does. Yeah. Jack Doyle is a very known ceiling player where Mo Ali Cox, you know. Nothing, could, nowhere to go for but up from Ali Cox. So could could be the tight end one. Yeah. After all, this <laughs> <laughs> these are ghost pepper takes. So uh after I kind of roasted you for that one, I guess we should get into mine, which is uh not much better. Oh yeah. All right. Quez Watkins. All right, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> He's the Eagles wide receiver six, finishes as a top 36 wide receiver. 
Oh God. I don't even know if your wide receiver one's going to be a top 36 wide receiver. <laughs> you don't think Devontae Smith is going to be a top 36 wide receiver. That's nuts. I think he will, but not top 24. That's how I'm viewing it. Uh, if he plays, if he plays 16 games, he's going to be like the 23rd. All right. Well, I'll let you get into your full take here before I disparage everything about it. Okay. So Quez Watkins was drafted in the sixth round by the Philadelphia Eagles last year in 2020. He had injuries his first year, didn't see the field much, kind of saw the field at the end of the year and really had uh, showed a little juice, showed some downfield, very fast, very, very explosive runner. Um, But the the criticisms coming out of college uh, were one, most of all immaturity. And that's why he dropped from a projected third round pick into the sixth round. Second was that he was an unpolished route runner. And two, that he wasn't really a, uh, didn't have a really contested catch ability. Well, so far at training camp against the likes of Steven Nelson, against the likes of Darius Slay, against the likes of Avante Maddox, and against the likes of a bunch of terrible cornerbacks that are also on the Eagles roster, Quez Watkins has been balling out contested catches, downfield catches, short catches that go for touchdowns because of his speed and agility. And with Devontae Smith sidelined and other Eagles receivers going through injury and in and off the practice field and no true number two, especially with Jalen Rieger disappointing and kind of disappearing. Uh, although he did have an incredible Odell Beckham-esque one-handed catch that's on film if you want to see something sick. Um, but I don't think he has the ability to like replicate that regularly in game time. And now we're not hearing a lot of good things about Travis Fulgham either. Quez Watkins has regularly get, been getting open and has been a favored target of both Jalen Hurts when he's on with the ones and Joe Flacco when he's on with the twos, although Joe Flacco mostly throws to Tyree Jackson, the aforementioned quarterback convert. Um, so, yeah, I think I just think that Quez Watkins has a real chance to emerge as the wide receiver two on the Eagles. Now, what does that exactly mean? We don't know yet. But if you believe in Jalen Hurts and that you believe that his baseline is more like the Cardinals game instead of, say, uh, I can't remember, like the Dallas game or one of the other games where he played terribly, um, then he's going to throw for over 4,000 yards, which means there'll be plenty of yards to go around between Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard. I don't think Zach Ertz is going to play a major role if he's still on the team. And Jalen Rager remains to be seen but he's looking not great. So yeah, that is my ghost pepper take. I, I I imagine that you don't have a ton to say about it because you probably have never heard of Quez Watkins before in your life. Nope, just that this has a less than 3% chance of happening and that's what we're looking <laughs> less for. Less than 3%, 3% is generous. I like it. <laughs> um, so here's the thing is tonight the Eagles play. So yeah. this podcast won't be out, but... You can go, if you have NFL Game Pass, you can go and watch the recording. Dane, you can watch it live tonight. And Quez Watkins will definitely be out there. He's number 16. Just watch how, watch how he does it. I'll watch, at best, I'll watch him get open on a play and his quarterback cannot get him the football. That's, that's what's going to hey, happen. Hey, Nick Mullins is going to be playing and Nick Mullins is an accurate passer. <laughs> Oh, what a what a ridiculous world we're living in. <laughs> you know what? Darius Slay, I just Googled Quez Watkins. Darius Slay says Quez Watkins is the Eagles wide receiver to watch out for. 
Darius Slay has high praise for second-year receiver Quez Watkins. Eagles practice affirmation. Quez Watkins breaks out. Hold on. Let me add this guy in my dynasty draft <laughs> or my dynasty team right now. <laughs> I've added him and dropped him like already. Because <laughs> I was like, I forget who I picked up instead of him. Oh, I think it was Taysom Hill. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because of the uh, Taysom Hill article. And uh, I don't know why I did that. Like I have Russell Wilson and Jalen Hurts. I don't really need Taysom Hill. Should have just hung on to Quez as a top 36 wide receiver. <laughs> But uh, it's like getting ridiculous how many Eagles I have on my team. So I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Okay. So that wraps up our hot takes. I got to say, I think these are all very likely. <laughs> no, they're not. At best, we get two of them to happen, I think. What do you think are the two most likely to happen? I think Nick Chubb over Derrick Henry. And what was the other one that you had at the top of the episode? Uh, the other one I had was not that Alvin Kamara will finish as the RB1, but that he has a uh, more favorable mm-hmm. path to RB1 than Christian McCaffrey. I'd probably lean that Trey Sermon finishes above Raheem Mostert on mine as well. Just oh, I yeah. think that's more likely. Yeah, which means I had the spicier takes. You definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> I like Saquon Barkley as the new Joe Mixon. I'm sticking to that one. No, that's a good tagline. You should tweet that out on our account. I think it actually might get some traction. Uh, I'll do that right after this episode. And everybody, when you hear this tomorrow, you can go like and retweet it or disagree with it on yeah. uh, at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, so next week, what do we got, Dane? We're doing some ADP situation. Yeah, so we're going to be trying to identify the most overvalued players in your draft in this next coming weeks. So hopefully some information that can help you as you head into your drafts. I think a lot of people are drafting next week and the weekend after that. So we'll hopefully get some more relevant content on what you should be doing in your draft. And we'll have a mock draft after that, I believe, uh, the next week. So a lot of good uh, good stuff coming. And a recap of our own draft because we are self-indulgent uh, gluttons. Yeah, we'll probably fellows. do that in the mock draft. Maybe in the mock draft episode, we'll do that at the tail end. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, you know... I mean, here's the thing. Our our dynasty recap episode is our most popular episode. So people want to hear about what you know what we're doing, what our strategies are, and what the oh, strategies yeah. of our esteemed league mates are. Because listen, we don't play with schmills. Although the the draft that we have this weekend has probably the highest schmo count of any uh, <laughs> any league. No offense to any of our league mates, because it's it's more of a compliment because it means you have better things to do with your life um that's uh, true then dane and i which uh, uh they're addicts we had to start a podcast to get all of this out yeah exactly because our uh significant others had had enough yeah. um all right <laughs> so yeah we'll see you next week with the uh adp thing and uh yeah god bless and goodbye thanks for listening